Welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host, along with the Sunshine Boys, none other than Joe Henderson, Ira Kaufman, Tim Williams, and uh, our guest, a guy who might as well be a semi-regular, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. And it's always good to have Bill. Hey, look, guys, um, the World Series is over, 2017. The Houston Astros are winners, and uh, kudos to um, Lance McCullers Jr. from the Tampa area, Tampa Catholic grad, Lutz boy coming through. It was, um, it was meant to be, it looked like for the Astros comments guys. Uh, we'll start with you, Ira, you were the one who spurred George Springer on to win the MVP. Uh, so let's see, uh, see what your thoughts are. I want a piece of that trophy, Jerry, because, uh, <laughs> it's obvious. It's obvious Springer heard my comments. last. That's week. right. He uh, said it to Greg Amsinger last night. He said, thanks to Ira Kaufman <laughs> for, you know, kicking me in the rear end. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe in game one, which was the Kershaw game, I think yeah. he struck out four times in that game. Just um, four, yeah. And, and just four. And he hadn't mm-hmm. done anything against the Yankees. Uh, nope. But, boy, and I, I went on and I said, I don't understand how this guy hit 34 home runs. And, mm-hmm. and then he you know, wins the MVP deservedly. Um, boy, all props to the Astros. I thought this was the Dodgers' year. Mm-hmm. No excuses, no injuries for the Dodgers. Um, they got beat. Uh, the the Strohs beat them, uh, mm-hmm. beat them four out of the last six. Um, boy, uh, this is not going to go over well in L.A., gentlemen. Uh, some people are going to question Dave Roberts. I think that's nuts. Guy's a good manager. They could have won 110 games this year. Mm-hmm. They didn't take their foot off the gas. So Astros are going to be around for a long time, and hurts me to say this as a Giants fan, but Dodgers aren't going anywhere either. Uh, you could see both of these teams in it next year, too. You know, Ira, the one thing that you should take some solace from is that the team that beat the Dodgers was wearing orange. So maybe that'll give you a little bit of solace. So I like it, you, Jerry. I like it. There you go. All right, Mr. Henderson, your thoughts on the World Series? Well, uh, whoever compiled the scouting report for the Astros on you, Darvish, deserves a raise because, mm-hmm. to me, that, that – turned the series. Uh, Springer was great, deserved the MVP. Mm -hmm. I love watching Altuve play. Um, Mm -hmm. I agree with Ira. I don't think uh, that you can blame uh, Dave Roberts for this, but the Astros were on it twice against Darvish, and that tells me that they had some, they had a great game plan against him, because that guy's a good pitcher. But mm-hmm. they were uh, they were on him from the get go in both games, and in a seven game series, uh, little things like a scouting report can tip it, and I think mm-hmm. that's what happened here. Tim, you want to comment on the World Series? Well, you know, it, it's become a habit that baseball fans have dissecting what's wrong with baseball and trying to pick the game apart a little bit. You saw it this year with the boom and home runs. We were worried about a juiced ball. And with the boom and home runs in the World Series, we were worried about a slick ball. Well, nothing's wrong with the baseball. Nothing's wrong with the sport. We just saw seven games of two teams that won over 100 regular season games just going straight at it and throwing haymakers at each other. And... Even in a 5-1 game, the closest thing to a lopsided game we had in this World Series, the Dodgers had opportunities to get going 
in maybe three or four innings throughout that game. So it was a fantastic World Series. And the next time anyone asks you what's wrong with baseball, just say nothing. Absolutely nothing. Mr. Bender, your thoughts? Well, yeah, well, we're Cleveland fans up here, so we stopped watching after the Yankees. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, it was a brutal, brutal after the Indians were, were dismissed from the playoffs the way that they were. But, you know, certainly I, I think one of the best things about baseball and, and living up here is the fact, you know, there were Tigers fans rooting for Justin Verlander. And I think he's mm-hmm. a guy that's been so good for so long. And for him to get a ring, I know he didn't pitch the way he probably wanted to in game six. But, uh, you know, one of those class act guys, very good for the game, and he gets a ring too. And um, like you guys said, I mean, Houston's going to be around for a while with this team. I think the American League is going to be a really exciting because those same three teams I was talking about, Houston, the Yankees, and the Indians, I could see all three of them getting back in the playoffs next year. And you wonder, you know, which one of these teams really could be a dynasty. I think the Yankees-Astros could develop into one heck of a rivalry here over the next few years. You know, and just for the record, as we record this, um, Dave still has his job uh, out in Los Angeles. They haven't decided to fire him as uh, as the Nationals fired their manager, as the Red Sox fired their manager, and as Joe Girardi got exit stage right in New York. So uh, getting to the playoffs and losing seemingly this year gets you fired. But right now, Dave Roberts still has his job in Los Angeles. So it's just that's a little let bit of know, an update. Go ahead, Let Joe. me know one, one quick thing, which people huh? haven't talked about enough. In beating the Red Sox, Yankees, and Dodgers in the playoffs, mm-hmm in the postseason mm-hmm. in the World Series, the Astros beat the teams with the three highest payrolls in Major mm-hmm. League Baseball. Yep. Not bad. Nice, Joseph. Nice. And so, Jim, remember how we, Jim, remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about how uh oh the Yankees, Dodgers, that's a natural that'll right. drive the rating spike and, mm-hmm. and and be the most exciting World Series. Well, sorry Yankee fans, but I don't think they. Uh, I don't think they would have beat the Dodgers. Number one and, and number two, uh, it couldn't have been a better World Series. So, and, and I'm sure the number, the rating numbers were very strong yesterday. They were I'm sure. Mm-hmm. They so, actually uh, beat uh, you know, Monday Night Football. We got by without the Yankees, gentlemen, and uh, the Astros uh, did not disappoint. Did not. Nope. All right, let's downshift to college football for a moment. And since we have Mr. Bender here, Bill, you wrote a piece uh, on the first rankings of um, the college football playoffs and the power rankings came out. Why don't you enlighten us on that uh, column that you wrote, which, by the way, you should read it on Sporting News. You should always read Bender on Sporting News, but this particular one, quite interesting. Well, I'd be interested to kick it to you guys on this. Not, I'll explain myself first, but uh... – so I think Alabama and Georgia are fine one and two, whatever. That's got to play out in the SEC, and they'll probably play it out in Atlanta here in about a month. I think the arguments where they're at are three through six. You know, rather you've got you can make a strong case for Notre Dame, um, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. And I, I, I don't. I, I know something's going to mess this up, but I really think that the playoff will come out of those six teams. Four, the four teams will come out of those six. I don't know who's going to blink or who's going to lose or what the arguments are going to be, but those six teams will make up the four-team playoff. Maybe I'm wrong. I probably am. Maybe somebody outside that six will come in. But uh, that's kind of the board I'm seeing right now. 
Uh, Joe? I was a little surprised, I think, to see Georgia, number one. Uh, I think we maybe we all were. But when you look at who's actually playing the best right now, it is hard to argue against Georgia. And uh, I'm sure that the fact that the, the Bulldogs have made such dramatic strides in a relatively short amount of time under uh, a coaching change is uh, is part of what spurred the University of Florida to do what they did uh, with Jim McElwain. Um, they're falling, the rest of the SEC East is falling behind Georgia by like a lot. And uh, you know what? I would not be surprised to see the Bulldogs lifting the trophy at the end of this thing. Now, what could be interesting about this is let's assume that both the Bulldogs and Alabama uh, are unbeaten when they have their collision course in the SEC championship game. And let's just let's just say it'll be a classic game, right? A close game, whoever wins, whatever. Mm-hmm. Would you still put both of those teams in the playoffs? Uh, that would be that would be a tough sell because if you do that, then you're going to have to leave another um, representative from a Power Five conference out. Um, I I can't see Ohio State fans not storming the uh, the playoff uh, room where, where these things are decided with flaming torches. If, if a one-loss Buckeye team gets left out, I also don't think that that would happen. Um, but uh, right now, if I had to put a sawbuck down, I'd put it on uh, Georgia. Ira. I got a question for our guest, uh, Jimmy. Um, sure. Bill, is this a year maybe uh, more than most where – we're kind of reminded once again that um, an early loss, Bill, a September loss is uh, not necessarily fatal um, if you play a tough schedule. Uh, and we and we're also reminded maybe that um, if you're perfect uh, midway or three quarters of the way through the season, that uh, that doesn't necessarily give you a ticket if uh, if your schedule's a little uh, iffy, Bill. Um, you know, there's some lessons to be learned by what's going on right now. Yeah, and it's early. Well, I mean, like Miami's undefeated, but they can play their way right up the next two weeks. All they have to do is beat Virginia Tech, beat Notre Dame, you know, maybe get a swing at Clemson down the end. I don't think – I'll put it this way. If Miami and Wisconsin both finish 13-0, and they're going to get in the playoffs. But what that says is you better not lose one. And as for September losses, I think the most talked-about losses – that we're going to hear is again between those top six teams when Georgia's got the drop on Notre Dame by that one point win in South Bend and Oklahoma beat Ohio state. And it, it still counts. I know it was early in the season, but they still have the head to head. There's no, to me, that's the simplest way to determine if somebody's better that they beat them head to head. Not only that, they beat them in Columbus. So I think it counts for a little bit more and the committee honored that. So those are the things to watch, and, and you know, the finger-pointing's coming because, like uh, <laughs> like you said, <laughs> I, I, I will say this, though. I would put the odds on Alabama and Georgia making it, both making it. If they both go 12-0 and and they go into Atlanta 12-0, and the score will matter. If they play a 27-24 game, I'd say there's a decent chance both get in the playoffs. Tim? You mentioned it briefly, but – I think the most fascinating team right now are 
is the Miami Hurricanes because their next game is at home against Virginia Tech. And then next, the week after that, they're at home against Notre Dame. And should they run the table, they're going to have an inevitable collision course with Clemson coming up down the road. So this is a team that they haven't had a strong schedule to this point, but their schedule's about to leap up in in power. And if they can handle these games, they're going to jump far up. Wisconsin, however, they don't play anyone that's currently ranked the rest of the way except in a potential Big Ten championship game. So Wisconsin has the much easier route, but I'd say right now if you want to watch some fun and do-or-die kind of college football, the team is is Miami. Yeah, I got. And, and here, go ahead, Bill. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just oh, going to say to to say to your point to to kind of piggyback on what Tim just said. Uh, I can't tell you how much uh, seeing a Miami Notre Dame game that once again matters is makes me smile. Oh, absolutely! And you know the 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 next week we'll see the. Catholics versus convicts replays on ESPN. And <laughs> right. I, I will say this, growing up a Catholic kid in Ohio, Central right. Ohio, went to a Catholic school my whole life. Mm-hmm. I was at a buddy's house when they played that game. I think I was eight or nine years old. And uh, Oh, Jesus, don't make me feel and, old. Yeah. <laughs> but no, listen, the, the, my buddy's dad was just over the top the whole game. And he looked at me and my best friend, and we're best friends to this day. And he said, you're never going to forget this game the rest of your life because it was Notre Dame beating Miami. And, and true enough, I mean, I, I, I always remember that. I watched that documentary. Like you said, it, it's great to see those two playing big-time games again. It's not quite the same yet. No, no. But I think, I think Rick is, is on to something. In, in the progression of a program, you go from kind of winning the close games to winning big. And I think Miami's not all that far from winning big. Well, I do remember – the convicts and, and, uh, and I, you know, I, I had the pleasure of uh, doing the university of Miami football um, through the Schnellenberger first part of Schnellenberger when he, before he left to go to the USFL, which never happened. And, um, and then uh, Jimmy Johnson. And so, yeah, it was, um, that was a fun team to be around when Lou Holtz was involved with Notre Dame, that was pretty cool too. So yeah, it would be great to see the two of them return to prominence because I think it really does help the college game when you have premier programs that are still part of it. Tell you what, we're going to step aside. And when we return, we'll talk a little bit of NFL football right here on the Sunshine Boys podcast. When you look for things, when you search the polished showrooms, the markets, the runway shows you are looking for me beyond luxury and status beyond capability and utility you are looking for me and when you dream when you dream of an SUV existing far beyond the ordinary an SUV steeped in performance infused with passion artistic beyond description You unknowingly dream of me. I am the end of your search, your drive, your dream. I am what you live for. I am the Alfa Romeo Stelvio, the first sport utility vehicle created by Alfa Romeo. 
Welcome back to the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host, along with the Sunshine Boys themselves. That would be Joe Henderson, Ira Kaufman, Tim Williams, our guest, Bill Bender of Sporting News. Guys, let's start talking a little bit about the National Football League. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's been a wild couple of weeks and, um, you know, I don't really know where to start. Uh, it's just kind of a crazy situation, but there was a trade. A lot of trades happened at the trade deadline. Uh, I'm going to go to our NFL expert, Mr. Kaufman. Ira, any who did anybody win during the trade um, uh, the trade deadline situations? We had well, a lot of trades. Jim, what I what I thought was interesting, uh, I'd mm-hmm. like to get Bill's perspective. Is you know, a couple of teams who see. Uh, an open path, an opportunity um, to go far in January. Uh, And I'm talking about you, Philadelphia, uh, and you, Jacksonville. Uh, I'll start with the Jags quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. Look, they look around the AFC South. They got the best defense in the division by far Mm -hmm. with with the injuries to the Texans. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're getting by with Blake Bortles because, Bill, Bill, they're on pace to get 75 or 80 sacks. In a season, uh, it's unheard of. They got two games already with ten sacks. Uh, that can take you a long way. So, so they go add Darius from Buffalo. Uh, he's been in and out of trouble, but he can play. Uh, he could help them down the stretch. And the Eagles, who have emerged from nowhere, I don't think many people picked them to dominate the uh, NFC East. Uh, Jim, with all due respect to your Redskins. No. <laughs> A lot of people yeah. thought the Giants were going to bounce back. It hasn't happened. Yep. Uh, D- <clears throat> Dallas is now in trouble without Elliott. So <clears throat> I think Ajay is going to help Philadelphia. I don't mm-hmm. trust uh, LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, I trust him maybe Joe from the one-yard line. I mean, that's where he's good, but not as an every-down back. So I see those two teams, Jim, pouncing because uh-huh. um, they see an opportunity, and, and they were aggressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I say bravo to those two organizations. Mm-hmm. Joe? Well, well, Ira, I would agree with you uh, completely about uh, actually both your points, but particularly on the Eagles a little bit with the uh, trade with the Jaya. Um All you got to know about LeGarrette Blunt is that he put up monster numbers last year for the Patriots and they let him go. Mm-hmm. You know? So that just tells me that he is, like you say, very good from the one-yard line, not so hot from the two. And Ajaye has been – he's had his struggles this year in Miami, let's face it. Uh, he, A lot of people thought he was going to be the next big thing this year. It hadn't quite materialized. So maybe the Eagles um, were able to buy low and, and cash in high on him, right? and I think that's what uh, might happen. Jacksonville is just – it's ridiculous what they're doing on defense up there. But when you look at it, you see, well, golly, that was part of the plan all along. Blake Bortles has turned into kind of a game manager, wouldn't you say, Ira? I would I would yes. say that, that that's maybe his strong suit. Teams can win with a game manager. Uh, first well, they got the runner now in Fournette, Joe. They got Fournette They now. do. And all that Blake Bortles has to do is do no harm. And if he if he plays that way and operates that way, the Jags can not only make the playoffs, they can make a little noise in the playoffs, I think. Uh, that is a, a 
a team to watch. You know who they remind me a lot of at this point? I'm going to maybe say something that that would be heresy. Kaufman, feel free to jump. But they remind me a lot of the Denver Broncos of a couple years ago. Interesting. The way they play, suffocating defense, just enough offense. Um, the Tim Tebow de- Broncos or the Hoop Broncos? The the well, uh, maybe maybe the year uh, Peyton Manning, maybe the Peyton Manning year yeah. that he that he won. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Just Am trying I to get the the the, the, the era down. No, Ira? you're not wrong, Joe. No, that that is the formula in Jacksonville, and I I think it's going to work. I have a quick question for. It's working well. Quick question for Bill Bender. Um, Bill, you're in Ohio. Um, do you guys have electricity, and does fax machines work? Because clearly, clearly the Cleveland <laughs> Browns had a little problem with theirs between Cincinnati and uh, and the uh, North Coast. They couldn't quite figure out how to get that uh, thing done to get AJ McCarron uh, to um, to Cleveland. They should have done this trade two years ago. I mean, Hugh Jackson had liked McCarron when he was at Cincinnati, and mm-hmm. I've liked McCarron since I saw him play in that, you know, playoff game against Pittsburgh. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's he's not a great NFL quarterback, but he would have been a heck of a lot better than what they've put out there the last few years. So they should have done this trade when Hugh went to Cleveland to begin with because what's their mm-hmm. record now? It's one in – one in everything, one in every loss. I don't even know what the number is now. I think it's one in 23. And um, another embarrassment for the organization, which they don't need. It's looking like the 2018 quarterback class doesn't have those franchise makers that we were kind of projecting early in the season. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if Darnold or Rosen or Lamar Jackson can carry your franchise. So when I'm talking to you guys next time and for the next five years, we'll probably be talking more about who's Cleveland's quarterback. And they still haven't answered that question. Bernie Kosar. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tim, quick question to you on uh, what happened with the Patriots? What spurred them to get uh, send Jimmy Garofalo out to the 49ers? Well, it could be that they might not think as highly of Jimmy Garoppolo as people imagined they did. And as other teams clearly do, I was surprised that he went for a second-round pick because if they were going to trade him for a second-round pick, they could have done that before the season. They could have done that whenever they wanted, it seemed like. I thought they were going to hold on to him and wait for Tom Brady to retire because I know Tom Brady thinks he can play at this level at age 47 or whatever it is, (laughs) but I think that's insane. This is football. I understand he's he's a unique football player in so many ways, but I I know doubting the Patriots is not necessarily the wisest idea, but on this one, I, I'm a bit perplexed. I don't understand, unless they don't like Garoppolo as much as we thought they liked Garoppolo, I don't understand why they wouldn't want a fail-safe in case Brady actually does age as human beings do. And hey, Jim, really I got a question surprising. for uh, Bill. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Ar. Bill. Talk a little. Talk a little bit about uh, Bill. The, the Patriots' mystique, um, well deserved in, in so many cases uh, after what they've accomplished. But Bill, I'm talking about you know, let's get this assistant coach under Belichick. The guy's great. Uh, let's get this quarterback, Ryan Mallett. You know, he's being developed by Belichick. And, Bill, when you pry these guys out of Foxborough, more times than not, uh, you're disappointed. 
because, uh, as Tim uh, Williams will back me up on, uh, there's only one maestro in, in Foxborough, and uh, he's calling the shots. And he kind of makes everybody around him look good. So, Bill, um, there's no guarantee Garoppolo is, is uh, going to pan out. Am I wrong? I think the Patriots made a great move here because they, they what they do with those quarterbacks is they, they inflate their value. It's kind of what Green Bay used to do with Brett Favre, except those guys turned out, the guys behind Brett Favre, some of those guys turned out to be really good, whether it was Hasselbeck or Kurt Warner or, you know, Aaron Brooks to a point. Um, so right. what New England's been able to do is inflate the value of a Brian Hoyer, a Ryan Mallett, um, even Matt Castle. I think Matt Castle's the one of that bunch that he's not bad. He's just not great. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't mm-hmm. bad. Um, but but I I think that's what they've done with Garoppolo, and they've kind of pulled one over on the Niners because you trade, you get your pick, and what do they do? They pick up Brian Hoyer on the back end, and, you know, Hoyer's not – Hoyer's serviceable. If Brady were to go down, I think Hoyer would be decent. He wouldn't carry him to a Super Bowl or anything, but he wouldn't be a total disaster. It's it's uh it's an amazing ability to to inflate those quarterback values. At least that's what I'm seeing. Well, I, I have a I, question for Bill. Um, Hi, Jeff. The back on on Faxgate uh, with the uh, with the Browns for a second. One thing that people overlook about that trade, the proposed trade that fell through, was you, you mentioned uh, that the Niners gave up a second for Garoppolo. The Browns would have given up a second and third for McCarron. And uh, as you all know, and I've said before, I really like McCarron. I think he's going to mm-hmm. be a fine quarterback. But that's a lot to give up. And my question for Bill is, our head's going to roll in Cleveland over this because somebody's got to lose their job, uh, either for the trade, agreeing to the trade to begin with, which would have been overpaying, or after you agreed to it, bungling the execution of it. Somebody's got to go. I like I like Hugh Jackson. I still do. I, I think this is a classic case, though, where you have the coach that goes one way and is a football coach, and football coaches like to be football coaches, and they went with an inventive strategy with their, you know, front office, and the the disconnect between the coaches and the front office is clear, and this is what happens. You have a huge embarrassing situation. So, again, like I said, um, you, you just wonder what the quarterback plan is. I mean, is it Kaiser? Is it – it wasn't Osweiler. Is it this guy? Was it? Is it going to be McCarron next year? Are they going to try to sign him? It's just – endless and and I've been through this for years I have a 92 year old grandpa my wife's grandpa and he's a lifelong Browns fan and every year and I've I've been with my wife about 15 16 years now every year he asks me who's the quarterback and I give him a different answer every year it's not it's not productive guys (laughs) well I I have a couple thoughts on this as well I'd I think you need to look at Jacksonville in this scenario and just to tie it back to them and say that maybe the Browns and maybe NFL teams often in this situation concentrate a little too much on getting the magic quarterback that's going to take them to the next level single-handedly when as important as the quarterback undoubtedly is, football will always be a team sport. And it's once you get a team in place and yes some stability at the quarterback position whether it's the guy or just a guy 
then teams can really take off. And it's consistency and patience that always seems to be at the heart of it. You look at Jacksonville, and while they changed coaches last year, they do have a lot of personnel they've been building up for quite some time. And now this is the culmination of it. They have this great defense. And they have Fournette to run the ball and take pressure off of Bortles, who is no, you know, he's not going to set the world on fire as a quarterback. But if you have the right team around him, you can win with him. And I think sometimes teams like the Browns concentrate a little too much on signal callers. That being said, I have to ask Bill this. There's a rumor that's come up in the last couple of days that Sam Darnold is thinking about if the Browns get the number one or number two pick in the NFL draft, he might stay another year at USC. Do you think this is real or is it just people poking fun at the Browns? And it's, uh, you know, if it's real, it's dumb because I, I wouldn't base my future on what team I'm playing for. If you're a competitor, you go to a team. I mean, if you really want to go the L way or Eli route and force a trade out of it, I would do that. But I wouldn't, why not get paid? You know, if you, if you're good enough to get paid and you've kind of done your thing at college, I think the only thing that can happen with Darnold staying another year in college is, getting torn down a little bit more you know he's playing in front of a bad offensive line he uh he uh you know he he, his stock has gone down if anything remember going into the season he was kind of a can't miss guy um and now he's going into a game Saturday where arguably he's the second most exciting quarterback on the field this Arizona kid Khalil Tate's just taking off guys so I I don't know I'm just the guy that I, I don't worry about what the draft order is if I was fortunate enough to be that good and I think it's an unnecessary shot at Cleveland. Let me ask uh, you guys a question for the panel. How big of an influence do you think Tommy Coughlin is uh, on the success in Jacksonville? I, I think it's uh, I think it's hard to uh, uh, overestimate it. Um, you know, defense and a running game uh, mm-hmm. sounds like uh, sounds like the Giants. Sounds very familiar uh, to me. It absolutely does. Uh, Two thousand and seven. 2011. Now, they had Eli Manning, who, who's, right. you know, better than Blake Bortles is ever going to be. I understand mm-hmm. that. But, uh, you know, wh- why did they beat uh, Brady twice in the Super Bowl? Because they pressured him. They made mm-hmm. him uncomfortable. Uh, you know, with, with uh, Michael Strahan and, 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 mm-hmm. and Tuck. And those are the guys that won that Super Bowl. And, you know, crazy right. catches, I understand. But, you know, when you, if you don't pressure Brady, you, you're not beating the Patriots. You're just mm-hmm. not doing it. Uh, look at the fourth quarter at a Seattle uh, Super Bowl, Tim. Uh, look at the fourth quarter against Atlanta. Uh, no pressure on Brady. Boom. You, you lose. He, he's too tough. Um, so here comes Jacksonville. Now, I'll leave it. I'll make this short, Jim. I don't want to rub it into the Bucks' uh, wounds here. But <laughs> Joe knows that uh, there's a guy named Calais Campbell who was available as a free agent out of Arizona. He asked for a lot of money, a lot of money. And Jacksonville gave it to him. He was 30, 31 years old. They gave it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, gentlemen, he's got 10 sacks. Ja- the Jacks have 33 as a team. They've only played seven games. Uh, the Bucks have seven, seven after, after seven games. Uh, so there's the formula. And, uh, that deal doesn't get done if Coughlin doesn't uh, sign off on it. Uh, Campbell makes everybody around him better, and uh, that's the formula that uh, Coughlin came in with a plan. 
uh, you know, and he's got the, he's got the credentials to back it up, and he's got the full support of the owner. So, Joe, I, I see I see Coughlin running that ship right now in Jacksonville and doing a heck of a job. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no question about that. He's always was a great football man, um, and maybe the coaching thing sort of passed him by a little bit, but the man still knows how to put together a football team. And if I'm on the sidelines in Jacksonville, I want him up in the uh, in the owner's box, you know, having my back here. And right. what's interesting, too, is if you remember um, – the uh, the Jags got seal clubbed in the second week of the season. Remember, they mm-hmm. they went over and just uh, Baltimore ran them off the field or something. I, I forget who it was, but but they just got annihilated. And we all thought, it wasn't oh, Baltimore. Was but... Yeah, same old Jags. And right, uh, boy, were we wrong? Was I wrong? I'll I'll uh, I'll fall on my own sword on that one because. Uh, you know, that's that's the value of having a Tom Coughlin is you're going to stay patient. You know, you're not going to freak out because you have one bad game. And frankly, looking back at Jacksonville's history, I think that's happened more times than not where, you know, one game could send them into a death spiral. Ain't going to happen under this guy. Let's talk a little bit about um, guys as we – get to the weekend um let's talk about a couple of games that uh, we should be watching i'll uh go to you bill bender first what are what are you the what are the games we should be watching this weekend well i mean there's it's the obvious good schedule i mean um i'll be watching a little bit of detroit green bay um you know being a packers fan i know they're that i think that brett hunley off a of bye week i'm interested to see it because if he's still really bad, you wonder if the Packers will make a move because the the NFC North is not good. It's a lot worse than I thought it would be when the Bears are kind of competing and Minnesota's good but not great. Um, Detroit's been a major disappointment. I, I think this was their this is their opportunity to kind of take control of the division and they're wasting it away. Now their schedule's a little bit easier down the stretch, but I think that's a pivotal game for Detroit because if they don't get that one you have to wonder, you know, what the heck's going on in Motown. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe, just for the record, the second week they got waxed by Tennessee, thirty-seven. Tennessee, to that was it. Yeah, I had a brain cramp. Yeah. But um, not, not a problem. Not a problem. I think they opened with a shutout win, uh, uh, Jim. They Jacksonville. They had a tw- it was twenty-nine-seven. They opened against Houston. Then they okay, lost yeah. to Tennessee, thirty-seven sixteen. They went on a roll. They beat Baltimore. Uh, they beat Baltimore forty-four to seven. They lost to the Jets twenty-three twenty. They beat Pittsburgh thirty to nine, and then they lost to Los Angeles twenty-seven seventeen. And then uh, they uh, last week was their they wiped out uh, Indiana twenty-seven nothing. So. That was it. And this uh, weekend, be, uh, they're headed to play. Uh, they're on bye week this week. Joe, I'm going to watch the uh, the Cowboys Chiefs game. Uh, I believe it is in the house that Jerry built. Um, mm-hmm. Will Elliott play? Will he won't play? Uh, I'm going to say this, Joe. I, I don't think I don't think Elliott's suspension is, is necessarily a death knell for the Cowboys. Um, I don't think they'll catch Philly, but I, I think they're going to stay in the wild card chase. Very much so. <clears throat> 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Joseph, and, and you, you need no such prompting, I know. <laughs> but um, Darren McFadden, guys, uh, I believe ran for uh, 1,100 yards before Elliott got to Dallas behind that mm-hmm. offensive line. Um, I think Prescott is the real deal. He's not going mm-hmm. anywhere. Um, you know, I, I, I think um, the receivers need, need to step it up a, a, a mm-hmm. little bit in Dallas. As far as my Chiefs are concerned, uh, you know, they got a heck of an offense. They got weapons. Kelsey's fantastic. Tremendous tight end. Uh, you know, if Gronkowski's not healthy, he's the best tight end in football, in my opinion. Um, and Alex Smith has not thrown a pick, gentlemen. He will not throw a pick. He will throw a four-yard pass on third and eight rather than risk an interception. Now, some people like that. Some people don't. But you can't argue with a 6-2 and two record at the midpoint. So I think that's, that's going to be a strong game. And, of course, for you historians out there, and I know Bill Bender knows this, uh, where did the Chiefs franchise start? Right there in Dallas, the Dallas Texans of the old <laughs> American Football League. And I believe they won the championship uh, in 62 with Lenny Dawson. So um, a lot of history between uh, uh, the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Um, I think Dallas has enough to win that game. Joe, tell me where I'm wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I also don't think they will, but that's another story. <laughs> um, but the but the game that I'm going to watch, and, and you guys are going to snicker at this because it's anything but a marquee game, and no, Ira, it's not your bucks. Um, the game I'm going to watch uh, out of the corner of my eye is Indianapolis at Houston. And because I'm going to put the over-under at the number of touchdowns that Deshaun Watson generates at six against a very (laughs) porous Indianapolis defense. Um, The guy's been amazing. Um, Yes, yes. Name name somebody that's going to challenge him for rookie of the year, Ira. Go ahead. Name someone. You can't. Well, I mean, Kareem Kareem Hunt will have his backers, but Watson Watson will win it, you know, at this point. Watson will win it. And you know what? Um, they were, the, the Texans organization was right. Everybody else was wrong. Uh, Cleveland had the shot at Deshaun Watson. Bill Benton chose not to. Um, the Jets could have had him. A lot of, a lot of teams could have the, had him. The, the, Bears, the Bears could have had him. Yep, the, Bears the Bears could have had him. And Dabo Sweeney, uh, the, the Clemson coach, give him credit, he came out and said, you know, all these teams are going to feel like uh, the rest of the NBA did when they passed on Michael Jordan. I think that's a little eh, – Dabo's prone to hyperbole. But, doggone, <laughs> this guy's awesome. Um, and my only caveat on him, as, as it's been from the get-go, can he stay healthy? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, he's not running around like a crazy man. He's not, he's not really pulling an RG3, uh, if you remember back to that era. He's not taking unnecessary risks. So I don't think his odds of being hurt are that much greater than any other quarterback in the NFL at this point. Good on them. The city of Houston, congratulations. Not only do you have the Astros, but you also have arguably the most exciting player in the NFL right now. Tim? Hey, Jim, I'd like to ask uh, ask Bill if if he's sold on the Eagles. Uh, Bill, well, what's going on up in Philly? It looks like that coach is doing a – a hell of a job. Uh, Wentz looks great. Uh, the defense looks strong. Um, 
Did any? Did you see the Eagles coming, uh, Bill, before the year started? No, um, not like this. I mean, I like Wentz a lot, though. I think Wentz is is getting a lot of the attention, and deservedly so. He uh, he's a tough guy. There was a play against the Panthers a few weeks ago where he, yeah, you know, it was like a zone read type play, and and he could have slid near the goal line. No, he tried to run a safety over, and I'm like, okay, I, I can deal with that. And he didn't get hurt or anything, but. I mean, they've got a, they made some good signings in the off season. I think the, the Ajayi trade shows that they're being aggressive and, and they're going for the pin. And you know, this is a the, the historian in me knows they haven't won the Super Bowl yet, and uh, they're going for it. And I, I really think it's a very interesting development. They are the best team in the NFC, but but the caution is, and as you guys know in the NFL, I think the NFC is. There, I don't know that the gap between Philadelphia and Atlanta is that significant or whoever else ends up in the playoffs. Um, it, it's, I just I, I don't want to fall into the trap of like anointing them right now because they're also a team that could totally lose in the first round of the playoffs. That's how it works. I don't think there's a truly dominant team in the NFC. I don't know that there's a truly dominant team in the NFL. That's what's made it uh, kind of exciting this year. Let's uh, Tim, you have something? Yeah, I I think there's a game that's being overlooked here in terms of games to watch and and as Joe said, no, it's not the the Bucks road defense going up against Drew Brees and the and the Saints <laughs> because that might be a 30 minute 30 minute watch at most, but you've got Atlanta at Carolina. Now, Atlanta, we've heard a lot about Super Bowl hangovers and a lot about disappointments, but they're 4 and 3. And they could still win their division, but they're going to have to win those division games. So Atlanta at Carolina is going to be great. We also saw Carolina look pretty good at times last week against Tampa Bay, but we don't know how much of that's Carolina being good and how much of that is the disarray the Bucks seem to be in. So we'll learn a lot about both of these teams at 1 o'clock on Sunday at Bank of America Stadium. Okay, guys, uh, let's do a quick um, final take and um, and social media and where we can read your stuff. And uh, uh, final take, Mr. Kaufman. All right. Thank you, Jim. Uh, and thanks to our guest today. Very informative, Bill. Thanks a lot. Um, you can get me on social media at iKaufman76. Uh, I'm going to bring this right home here in Tampa, Jim. And I'm as mm-hmm. guilty of, uh, of this as, as anyone. Um, and I address this to Mr. Henderson, a keen observer of, of the Bucks over the years. Joe, <laughs> we got caught up a little bit in the glitz, the Deshaun Jacksons, the O.J. Howards. And some of us might have forgotten, including Jason Light and Dirk Cutter, uh, might have forgotten uh, that if you're not strong in the trenches, gentlemen, you're probably not going anywhere. <clears throat> and Joe, uh, this Buck team is not physical. They are not physical on either side of the ball. They get pushed around. They're not aggressive. They don't open holes for the run game. Um, and they put no pressure on the quarterback. So, you know, Mike Evans and uh, Cameron Brake can go downfield all they want, Joe. But uh, they're not very good up front. And it's killing this team. I think that's going to be their epitaph. Uh, you'll, you'll see it again. You won't see any pressure on Breeze. So he'll get his 380 yards and three touchdowns. Joe, they got a lot of work to do up front. 
they have a massive amount of work to do up front. And this seems like it has been a chronic problem uh, for this organization. Uh, social media, Mr. Years. Henderson? Social, social media? Yeah. Social media? You get, chill, dude. I'll get to it. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on uh, Twitter at the initial J Henderson Tampa, uh, where I will be sending out uh, tweets that ridicule Mr. Kaufman. No, just kidding. But um, you're right. The the what has happened with the Bucks is, um, I think, a, a surprise to a lot of people, and uh, including Jason Light, uh, who put this team together and will bear the brunt if uh, if they stumble in at 5 and 11 because there there has to be some sort of uh, head rolling into a basket at that point. But uh, for my final thoughts, I'm going to focus on the weird state of football in the state of Florida. The Who would have ever believed that the Florida-Florida State game would be irrelevant. Florida State is not going to go to a bowl game. They have to run the table, and that includes beating Clemson, and we all know that's not going to happen. Florida will be playing out whatever string it is at that point under an interim coach who knows that he's he's not going to get the job. Uh, a lot of pressure on those two universities to right the ship in a hurry. Florida State obviously is in a better position to do that. And all I got to say for the University of Florida is you better get this higher right um, because the McElwain era, uh, for reasons that have been much discussed, just didn't work. Even he conceded he was not a good fit for that university. Um, a lot of people in Gator Nation casting longing eyes at Scott Frost, who's doing a magnificent job at UCF. Uh, they'll have some competition there uh, from Scott's alma mater uh, at the University of Nebraska. But Florida needs to zero in quickly on a guy who can get Gator Nation excited again, who can make football entertaining again, and obviously win some games. And at this point, uh, Scott Frost is probably. Uh, either on the top or right at the top of their wish list. There's been some speculation they might go after Willie Taggart out of Oregon, but to me that's a little bit longer shot. I can't see Taggart necessarily wanting to leave after one year. But whatever they do, they better get it right because uh, Georgia is putting a lot of distance between them and the rest of the uh, SEC East. Let's go to uh, Tim Williams, and then we'll let uh, Bill Bender our guest uh, have his say. Go ahead, Tim. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Writes Sports, and you can read my Tampa Bay Buccaneers preview on Friday afternoon at sportstalkflorida.com. And just to circle back on the on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I know it's easy to call for heads. I know, Bucks fans, that you want some kind of sacrifice to the football gods for this team being just a disappointment off of a nine and seven season last year. A lot of people came in expecting the postseason and they're not going to get it. And you look at, you know, Dirk Cutter's post game press conference, he blamed the wind 
for Jameis Winston's passing performance and for the Buccaneers' lack of offense. He actually blamed the strong wind, and it was windy in Raymond James Stadium, to be fair, but it was windy for Cam Newton, too, and he had no problem getting the touchdowns he needed. So, But that's that's what a coach has to do. They have to answer these questions somehow. They're not always going to be satisfying. It's going to be weird look at the fluctuations in Mike Smith's defense from week to week, but it's a hard defense to to get. It's a complicated system. So teams have to be patient. Again, look at Jacksonville. They they went and hired Tom Coughlin, but beyond that, they stuck with their plan. And the Bucks need to stick with their plan. They just need to add linemen on both sides of the ball to it before this team can be complete. So Rather than calling for, you know, maybe it's time to look at another head coach, maybe it's time to look at another defensive coordinator, it's really just time for the for the Buccaneers to get better. And that's not going to come from just going out and hoping that the next coach is the guy that unlocks everything. Mr. Bender, you're up. All right. Yeah, when we were talking college football, I said those arguments uh, would be through three through six. Well, Here's what I think is going to happen about a month from now. They're going to need to decide one spot, and that decision is going to be between an ACC champion and defending national champion in Clemson with one loss and Notre Dame with one loss that didn't play in a conference championship game. And what a debate that will be on so many levels because Notre Dame has, has pretty much used the ACC to prop up its case. You know, if it beats Miami, beats NC State, beats all the same teams Clemson beats, and I think is a very good football team. But if they leave Clemson out, then you're saying that Notre Dame doesn't need to be in a conference. And then if you leave Notre Dame out, I think that um, Notre Dame will start to think about joining a conference full-time because that's the best way into the playoffs. So at the end of the, when the smoke clears, I think the playoffs going to look like this. I think it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, either Georgia or Oklahoma, and that because I think one of those teams is going to get knocked out. And then I think that last decision really is going to be between Clemson and Notre Dame. So good luck making that one. I'm sure Twitter will have a few things to say about it. And uh, <laughs> it, it will be one of the more entertaining arguments. I've been waiting for Notre Dame to force the issue. And, I, you know, a couple years ago I thought they might do it. Remember that year they played Florida State, but then they right. kind of crumbled afterward. I think this is the year – where Notre Dame forces the issue and forces some very interesting conversations in November. Okay. Uh, what's your social media, Billy? And um, we want to know, well, obviously we can find you at uh, Sporting News, but uh, where can we find you on social media? Well, I'm at BillBender92, SportingNews.com. We have a Facebook page too. Um, you know, the 92s for Reggie White. He was my favorite player growing up and, Still is my favorite player of all time. I mean, I don't think you can pick much better guy than that. So uh, maybe not down there in Florida. He terrorized a couple quarterbacks when he was in Tennessee. But, uh, um, you know, it's a lot of fun. We're having fun in November. I always enjoy coming on with you guys because I feel like this is just like a conversation that we would have maybe over a couple beers. It's a lot of fun. Mm. Well, and we're picking up the tab. So there you go. It makes it easy. Um, <laughs> uh, the – the thing that um, you, you know, you just brought up an interesting thing about if Clemson and Notre Dame were, and they pick, if they pick Notre Dame, I could just see John Swaffer's head exploding uh, at um, in in you know in Charlotte, and and there's a bit of Schadenfreude from my standpoint that I actually would like to see that happen. So I'm not not so sure, but 
hey, it things happen. But uh, absolutely uh, interesting situation there. Quick uh, observation uh, from my standpoint, and that is that um, two things. One, uh, I'm going to make this prediction, and that is that uh, Scott Frost will be announced as the Begators head coach, and he probably will take that announcement prior to the time that USF and UCF play on Thanksgiving weekend. That's an observation. Bold the pick, other, sir. Bold pick, yeah. The other one is um, kind of a comment about Peter G., which stands for Greedy Angelos of the Baltimore Orioles. And that comes about a story that really got very little play at all, and there's no reason for it to get play. And that is that every year, and we all know that uh, preseason spring training baseball usually ends close to or at a ballpark where they're going to start their season. And the Nationals play last year, the Friday game um, at Nationals Park, and then they started what was to be an, a three year series of playing their final exhibition game over on the campus uh, at Annapolis at the Naval Academy, where they uh, played the game at the Naval Academy baseball park, and all the proceeds went to the Navy. Well, after the success of one year, uh, Mr. Angelos uh, claimed to Major League Baseball that Annapolis was his territory, and therefore the Nationals could not play in Annapolis, and Major League Baseball, in their infinite wisdom, saw in his favor. And so the contract between the Naval Academy and the Nationals, where all the money was going to the Naval Academy, has now been voided. Um, so that was a one-off on a three-year deal. Uh, I think that just goes to prove how sometimes owners can be ridiculously petty on stupid things. So, very petty, very petty, Jim, very petty. Yeah. And, and nice by the way, done, sir. well, thank you. One quickie for Joe, and that is it just came across the wire. This is the headline. I'm, I don't have time to read it, but here's the headline. Lewis relieved McCarran's trade did not happen. Yeah, I saw that story. And um, the uh, the short version of that is I think McCarran is also relieved the trade did not happen. Um <laughs> they are the Bengals are fighting to keep him uh in some way, shape or form from being an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. Um and you gotta give the kid credit. He has handled that whole situation just with a lot of poise, a lot of class and all that. As a Bengal fan, I hope they do figure out a way to keep him. Um I'm not overly confident that they will. They may have to put some, they're trying to say they can put some sort of transition tag on him. Um, that'll play out uh, in front of an arbitrator. But uh, yes, Marvin Lewis is very happy. The Bengals are still in the playoff picture. I'm just saying. No, um, and, they are. and um, you know, if something happens to Andy Dalton this week at Jacksonville, or as they call it up there, Saxonville, um, it's nice to have uh, A.J. McCarron to bring in. This call is being recorded. Well, that brings to a close yet another edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. Quick note, uh, Joe Henderson and I had the Houston Astros winning. I had them in seven. Joe had them in six. So not often that we're right, but a little bit of gloat there, okay? Not a problem. Move on, Williams. Will do. Okay. So here's where we're going next, and that is if 
for some reason you have not yet subscribed to the Sunshine Boys podcast, it is free. It is very simple to do. We are on five of the best platforms out there, okay? Meaning we're on the iTunes store. We're on Google Play. You can find us on Blog Talk Radio. If you have downloaded the Stitcher app, which many people do if you're a podcast fanatic, clearly Stitcher is where you want to be. They've got some phenomenal podcasts out there. We're just happy to be part of that family. Also, if you're the 101 of, excuse me, let's try this again. If you are one of the more than 125 million people, myself included, who have the TuneIn app on your phone or tablet, all you have to do, again, search Sunshine Boys Podcast. That's the Sunshine Boys Podcast on the TuneIn app. Hit favorites and you will get each week, the Sunshine Boys sent to your phone or to your tablet. So five ways to get the Sunshine Boys sent to you free of charge every week. So go out there and do it. Okay, cool. Thanks very much. Meanwhile, a lot of thanks to the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson, to Tim Williams, and to our special guests from the Sporting News, Bill Bender. Check his work out at the Sporting News. That's Bill Bender at the Sporting News. Outstanding work as their college football writer and also does some work on the pros as well. So you want to find out about football, read Bill Bender. He'll tell you everything you need to know. All right. So until next week, I'm Jim Williams for the entire gang at the Sunshine Boys podcast. We wish you a wonderful and safe weekend. 